Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. Welcome to our women's meeting. Uh, we have a group of people here, women and men, that are endeavoring to walk in the kingdom of God. Walk in the kingdom. And we're going to look today a little bit more of what that kingdom is. But we're going to be talking today about how to believe. You know, I've heard ministers in the past, and I listened to a lot. I was looking for some answers. And they would say three steps to faith or five steps to faith or, or six steps to your healing. And you know what? They missed the very core. And when I came to Water of Life, God opened my eyes. And I'm going to show you what I learned here at Water of Life when I came. The answer, all your answers are in the Word of God. Every one of them. Thank you, Jesus, for those answers. Now, we're going to begin. Well, let's open up with prayer. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. My Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. There is nowhere that we can be that you are not there. Father, I thank you. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our ears that we can hear. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan and you and my heavenly Father. Grant that spirit of grace on this meeting, your spirit of grace. Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace on this meeting. Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace, that it go into every heart, that it opens and they hear what they need to hear. Father, I thank you for that spirit of grace. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to begin about this. I want you to turn to Mark 1. Whoop, wrong one. Forgive me. Mark 1. And we are going to go to verse 14. And this is Jesus. He has just already gone through the wilderness. And in fact, verse 12, it says, Immediately the Spirit driveth Jesus into the wilderness. And there he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Jesus had to go through the wilderness. Now he's coming out. And this is one of his very first sermons. It's one of his very first messages when he comes out of the wilderness. Verse 14. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. This is what Jesus preached when he came out of the wilderness. He preached the kingdom. He said, uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. I want you to notice Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is right here. But we don't believe the kingdom of God. We don't trust in the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? I want you to see it with your own eyes because this will change your life. It'll put this power in you. It said, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. Do you see that? Repent you and believe the gospel. 
don't believe the kingdom, you believe the gospel. And what happens when you believe the gospel? You get the kingdom. The kingdom comes with it. Now, Jesus said, repent you. That does not say, that does not mean in those words, that does not mean to put away the cigarettes or, or never swear again. Yeah, go ahead and try it. Or, or all those thou shalt nots. That's not what that repent means. It means, let's go back and I'll show you the, I'll show you the Strong's. I want you to see this because so many of us were brought up in denominations where it said that, you, you know, you repent, repent, repent. We're going to go down here. It means to think differently. You got that? To reconsider. To think differently. To reconsider. To change the way you're thinking. And believe the gospel. Change the way you think and believe the gospel. That's repentance. You know, it only takes a moment to repent. To change what you're thinking, where your will is at, and believe the gospel. And believe the gospel. And I want us to go back, and I want us to see what that gospel is. It's very important that we know exactly what the gospel is, because Jesus said we had to believe it. And we got to know what Jesus said we got to believe. Whoops, lost it. Back. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse, let's see, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. There we go. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. So now we know the apostle Paul preached to them the gospel. You got that? He said, I declared unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you. He preached it, which you have received wherein you stand. Where you stand where you put your faith, what you commit to, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And we said last week, that throws once saved, always saved out the window. That nice little word, if. Now, verse three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. This is what Paul received. This is what Jesus said you need to believe. He said, repent you and believe the gospel. Paul's telling you right here, I declare unto you the gospel. This is what Jesus taught Paul. He said, I declare unto you, I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also received. How? And here's the definition, the bona fide definition of the word gospel. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. There's your gospel. Simple. That is what Jesus said. Repent. Change the way you're thinking and believe the gospel. Trust in the gospel. Commit to the gospel. Believe the gospel. Put your faith in the gospel. All those words mean very close to the same thing. Now, let's talk about that kingdom. I want us to go again to 1 Corinthians. 420. We saw this last week, but I want us to look at it again. 1 Corinthians 420. Let's re read verse um, 19. He says, but I will come to you shortly, Paul speaking, 
if the Lord will or will know, not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power, the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word. It's not in word. It's in power. It's in power. Anyone that has walked in this in any short time can tell when a message is by the Spirit because there's power with it. You can feel it in your heart. You can feel it in your, in your body. You can feel it in your bones, as some people say. You can tell the difference when a message is alive with the Spirit of God and when it's dead. Why? Because the kingdom of God because of the kingdom of God. Paul said, I won't know just your words, I'll know the power. So we know where Jesus is talking when he said that um, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is saying the power is at hand. Now I want us to show you something else because there were some Pharisees that didn't understand and Jesus explained it. Thank God he explained to some of these people because it explained it to us. If you will go with me to Luke 17, I'm going to go to verse 20. And this is Jesus. When Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. Look where the kingdom of God is. Look where this kingdom, where this power Kingdom of God is power. Look what this power is. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. And you know who that kingdom of God is for? Anyone that'll believe. Anyone that'll believe. Mark 16 states, these signs, these signs of that power, these signs are for that um, accompany those that believe. These signs follow those that believe. Those that believe what? Those that believe the gospel. These signs follow those that believe the gospel. And you know what's interesting about that? It's not just the preachers. It is not made for the apostle and the prophet and the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist only. No, no. The kingdom of God is for anyone that'll believe. Anyone that'll commit to the gospel from the 99-year-old grandma to the three-year-old. That's what the power is for. The kingdom of God comes when we believe the gospel. Now, I want us to go to John 10 because I want us to, I'm going to share a verse that I share often. But this verse helps us to believe that gospel. And that's what we're after. We want to believe the gospel so that power works in us. John 10, 35. And it's Jesus speaking because it's in red. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came. And this is the phrase I'm looking for. And the scripture cannot be broken. Do you see that? What is written in this Bible cannot be broken, cannot be broken. So where do we put our faith? We put our faith in the words that talk about the gospel, the words of the gospel. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Well, 
What do we believe about that gospel? That Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again. But you know what's wonderful? It's not that Jesus just died and was buried and rose again. I remember asking God this question. I said, I see, I see that Jesus died, he was buried and rose again. What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? I know he died. I know he was buried. I know he rose again. How do I know? We celebrated Easter yes, every year in the denominational church I was in. Every year up at 6 a.m. to go down to the sunrise service for Easter. I know Jesus rose again. And I remember standing there with this little styrofoam cup with a little plant that had come out of a seed because, you know, they were talking about coming out and, and this little seed and it, they were talking about the resurrection and how the seed came through the dirt. And I remember sitting here looking at that plant and I must have been about 12. And I said, what has that got to do with me? What does Jesus raising from the dead got to do with me? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I remember those days. All right, go to Isaiah 32. I read it this morning. I mean, 52, forgive me. Isaiah 52, verse 13. The translators put the, this, the split with the chapters in here. But these verses, 13 through 15, go with chapter 53. And I want us to show you, because there are some that are going to hear this message that have thought the same thing I did. What does the resurrection have to do with me? So we're going to begin in verse 13. Behold my servant. That's Jesus. Why is he a servant? Because he did what the father told him to do. He left heaven and he became a man like you and me. And he did everything the father told him to do. He said, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He should be exalted, extolled, and be very high. As many were astonished at thee. His visage was so marred more than any man. You got that? This is a picture. This will show you what Jesus looked like on the cross. And if you want some more verses, look at Psalm 22. Look at Psalm 88. Look at the, look at the New Testament where it talks about where Jesus was crucified. This is talking about him on the tree. His visage, his countenance was so marred more than any man. Thank you, Jesus. His form more than the sons of men. No one has ever been marred more than Jesus. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had heard shall they consider. I can hear some of you saying, oh, there's got to be somebody that's been marred more than Jesus. And here's where you are at the crossroads. You are either going to have to believe that the word of God is what it is, the word of God, or you don't. And I will tell you this, you will have to come to that decision that the word of God cannot be broken, that the word of God is what it is, the word of God, and that you can commit to it. You can put your trust in it because it's not going to work for you if you don't. Doe even talks about for three years, for three years, how he tried to disprove the Bible. I've heard of many. Josh McDowell, when I was in, when I was in high school, talked about he was going to prove that the crucifixion and the resurrection were wrong. Everybody I've heard that has set their heart to prove 
that it wasn't what it was ended up being converted. Why? We have a God who can talk to anybody. And he will lead you and guide you in that spirit of grace. Will land on you and his hand will be upon you and you will come out. You will come out a Christian, a child of God. Yes, you have to decide. This is so important if you want the power of God to work. God is talking to some of you. You are going to have to decide within yourself that the Bible is what it is. It is the word of God. And you can say, well, I don't know the New Testament. I'm a Jew. That Old Testament is the word of God also. And if you will read that Old Testament, believing that it is the word of God, I promise you that God will lead you and you will see. You will see out of all the prophets and Moses and all the Psalms that Jesus is the Messiah. It is God's word and God cannot lie. All right, now let's go back to Isaiah 53. It says, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He, Jesus, has no form nor comeliness. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. This is a picture of Jesus on the cross. And like I said last week, 700 years before it even happened. This is the spirit of Jesus speaking through the uh, prophet Isaiah, speaking through him. These are Jesus's words coming out of a man's mouth, that's heart and spirit is toward God, and he becomes a mouthpiece for the spirit of Jesus, and he tells what Jesus is going to go through 700 years before it even happened. Glory be to God. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, that's pain, acquainted with grief, and we hid as were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Why? Why was that man marred more than any man? Why was that man so tortured? It says it right here, verse 4. This is the spirit of Jesus speaking out of the prophet's mouth. This is the Messiah speaking out of a prophet's mouth, telling us what he is going to do 700 years in the future of this. For surely, Surely, that's a prophet saying surely. That's a prophet with a spirit saying surely. He has borne our griefs, that sicknesses. Surely, surely. This is God saying surely. That's double, double the power, double the promise. Surely, he has borne our sicknesses and carried our sorrows, that word is pain. Surely he carried our pain. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Why did he go to the cross? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. He wasn't just wounded because they hated him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment 
to get our pace was on him and with his stripes we are healed the chastisement the correction the punishment to get our peace with god our um, our welfare our prosperity our safety our security was on that body verse six what a beautiful verse all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way oh we're all in the same boat folks and look at this next phrase and the lord and the lord has laid on jesus that lord is jehovah laid on jesus the iniquity of us all the iniquity of us all hebrews the book of hebrews says that jesus presented himself a spotless sacrifice and it was the eternal spirit that eternal spirit with him that put all our iniquities on jesus jesus couldn't do it he was a man that was a man that died on the tree that was a a man that laid down all his godly abilities and he died as a man on that tree a man had to take the punishment god can't kill a god you can't kill a god so jesus died as a man and that eternal spirit put your and my sins and iniquities on his body in his soul that's why he looked like he was marred more than any man that's what sin will do to a body it broke it apart the bones became dislocated psalm 22. they looked and stared on him why that's what our iniquity did to a human body that's amen now let's go back about the resurrection verse 10 yet it pleased the lord to bruise him he has put him to grief that that grief is sickness he it pleased the lord it made him happy to bruise jesus he has put him to grief to sickness the father made jesus sick do you see that the father made jesus sick why now shall make his soul his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied here this next um this next verse is your resurrection he shall see the travail of the soul of jesus and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities he bore yours 12 therefore therefore going back to the travail of jesus sacrifice satisfied the father therefore i will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death he was numbered with the transgressors he bare the sin and made a sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors 
What do you trust in? When the father saw the travail of Jesus' soul, when he saw Jesus paying for my sin, for my sin, the father saw Jesus paying for my sin, and he saw him paying for your sin, when he saw that travail in Jesus' soul, he was satisfied. Righteous God, a righteous God was satisfied. He was satisfied. Jesus satisfied the Father concerning us. Jesus satisfied the Father concerning you and I. So what did the father do? After he satisfied, he raised Jesus from the dead. Not only did he raise Jesus from the dead, but he healed that body, made it perfectly whole, put them all back together, threw off every principality and power on him. But not only that, that the only way that the father could have raised Jesus from the dead is he would have had to have forgiven you and I. He had to forgive you and I. Jesus had to satisfy the Father concerning our sin or Jesus would still be there paying for it. He would still be there paying for it, but he satisfied the Father and he raised Jesus and you and I from the dead. That was our sin that was forgiven. That was our sin that was put away. That was our sin that we were justified from because of the body and the blood of Jesus. Do you see that? Now, not only, not only have our sins been forgiven, but every sickness and disease that is caused by sin, and you will see in Deuteronomy that, that sickness comes from sin. Sickness, disease, curses all come from sin. The father tells Moses, you obey this word, my people obey my word, nobody gets sick. You obey my word, everybody is blessed. Everybody is prosperous. No miscarriages in animals or people. No curses if you obey the father. But then he said, but if you don't, that sin will cause sickness, disease. It'll cause It'll cause poverty. It'll cause curses. So what did the father do? He put Jesus on the cross. He put Jesus on the cross. For God so loved you that he put Jesus on the cross. And he took all that sin and all those curses and all those diseases that we just read and all that pain. And he took it from you. And he put it on Jesus. He put it on Jesus. He knew Jesus could do this. He sent Jesus to do this. Jesus knew he was going to do this before the world was even created. Says that in Revelation. He took it from you. And he put it on Jesus. Now, how do we walk believing that? Just like I said in John 35, John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. I want us to go to Romans 3. Now that we see these things, we have to make them 
manifest in our lives. Romans 3. I'm going to go to verse 4 first. The gospel is in this in this in this Bible. The gospel is the word of God. The gospel is what Paul preached to everyone. They said that this is the gospel. Jesus said, repent you and believe the gospel. And what happens when you believe the gospel? It brings the kingdom. It brings the power. And that kingdom, that power is in you. So we have to believe. And I tell you what, the moment you start to try to believe this, the moment you start to commit yourself to trusting it, to looking at it, to considering it and nothing else. Hang on, folks. Buckle your seatbelts because all hell's going to break loose. Oh, what a joyous ride this is. But you know what? Oh, it is so fun when your faith starts to work. So we are going to look at what we have to hang on to when this hell arrives. Now, Romans 4, um, Romans 3, verse 4. God forbid. Look at this, what Paul says here. Yea, let God be true but every man a liar. Do you see that? Let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Oh, your soul is going to go back and forth. Your soul is going to start to commit to those words, trust in those words, believe those words, and you're going to be tossed. Why? You've got stuff in you. Your flesh doesn't want to do this. It's contrary to it it can't it hates it so here's where the conflict begins and you know what you have to do you have to decide you have to decide that that word is above what you feel you have to decide and commit that god is true and every man including yourself is a liar that's where the conflict is. And that's what you have to set your heart to believe, to trust in, to commit to. We read that in Romans about Abraham, that he considered not his own body. He only considered what God said. Well, that's what we do to believe. God is true. Those words of God, the gospel is true. and Every man is a liar. Now, let's go back down to, um, let's go to verse 7. I love this. For if the truth of God, Paul speaking, has more abounded through my lie unto his glory. Look at this. For if the truth of God, what is the truth of God? It's the gospel. It's the word of God. For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory. Do you see? We're not even going to read that, that second phrase because it's not what I'm after. If the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, do you see that? The truth of God will abound through your lie. And God gets the glory. It manifests. It manifests. The truth of God is stronger than your feelings if you will commit to it. The truth of God is stronger than your circumstances if you will commit to the gospel. And you know what's wonderful about that gospel? It brings grace. It brings grace. It's the gospel that brought the grace. It's the gospel that brought the grace. That's why we believe the gospel. Now, 
how do you believe this? How do you trust in this? How do you put the word of God above what you feel or what you see? I have that testimony, and I know some of you have heard it, but I believe God wants me to tell it on this program because there are some watching that have not heard it before. But it is a beautiful, a beautiful um, demonstration of how to believe. And it was, it's the, the when I was in my um, 30s, and I had just come to Water of Life, I'd only been here about three or four years, God put me as a sign maker in a very large grocery chain. And I had a store here in Plano. I was only in my 30s and God worked it out uh, by a miracle that I got a job as being the sign maker in this grocery store. Now this was before we had those wonderful printers. Now you had to actually hire a person to hand mark all those signs. This was shows you how old I am, but this was back in the 80s. I think it was about, well, let's say nine, about 89 and 90 is when I began the work here. And God put me there on the purpose of learning how to trust him, learning how to believe the gospel. And he I gave me the job as a sign maker. Now, my job only, I only worked when they needed signs. This was the workout that we did with the, I did with the manager. And he brought me in certain hours during the week at the beginning. And if there weren't any signs, I had to go home. So if I wanted to make any money, I had to do a lot of signs. And I, God was ministering to my heart about this gospel. And more so than anything else, the gospel is what brings the power. It's when we believe that gospel that brings the kingdom and the kingdoms with power. So I had to learn. He put me in a position that if I wanted money, I was going to have to trust him that the store was going to need a lot of signs. Sounds simple, sounds um, minute, but I tell you what, it did such a work in me. Oh, it did such a work in me. So God was ministering to me about the, the first things of the gospel, and that is prosperity. And he was ministering to me about Jesus. Chastisement of our peace was on Jesus. Well, our peace considered consists of prosperity. So that Jesus bore the punishment for my prosperity so I could be prosperous. And then not only that, but in 2 Corinthians 9, he says that by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he became poor that I might be rich. And I was looking at these things and I was considering these things and I was meditating on these things. I was meditating on how Jesus on the cross took my poverty. And I determined that day when I walked into the grocery store, like I had done so many times before, but I determined that day I was going to believe those words. I was going to commit to those words in Isaiah 53 and 2 Corinthians 2, that Jesus became poor that I might be rich. I was going to commit that the chastisement of my peace, my prosperity, was on that cross on Jesus. And I remember walking into the store with that determination. Why? Because I needed some money. I hadn't made enough that week. And what I made when I worked at that store was what we paid groceries with. And I had two hungry mouths at home at that time, not to mention my husband and I, and a dog, and a cat, 
So I walked in there with that determination. And I walked down the aisles. My office was at the back of the store. There was a set of staircases and it went up to the office, the, the grocery store office. And my office was the center, um, what do you want to call it? Kind of the lobby of the upstairs area. And they had a table there for me, set for me, and I had all my work there. So I was walking through the store, heading for the back stairs. My job was to go around to all the different departments. And if I remember correctly, there were about eight of them. So as I'm walking back to that back stairs, I am talking to myself, to myself, quietly, but out loud, whispering. I said, I am determined. I am going to, that, that Jesus, when he died, he had my poverty on him. That he became poor, that I might be rich. And I already knew by then that that might shouldn't have been in that translation. It's not in there. The word is to be. So Jesus died and he became poor that I be rich. And I'm walking down the aisle, praying this, talking to myself, speaking to myself the gospel, speaking that the chastisement of my prosperity, my poverty was on Jesus. And I go to the back stairs and I go upstairs and there is a box on my table where all the managers, if they're, if they don't want me to come to them or, or they see something earlier that they can put, it was a sign sheet that I had created that they could write down what they needed, what the product was and how much it was going to be. And if anything else I needed to write on there. And I went up there with the intention of seeing that box full of those sheets that I had to spend a lot of hours making signs. Guess what? When I went up there, there was a piece of cardboard, typical of the grocery section, and it had one little three by five sign that wasn't gonna take me 10 seconds to make. That was all that was in that box. And I stood there and looked at it. And I said to myself, I said to myself, low voice whispering, I am not gonna consider this. I am not going to consider what I see. I'm only going to consider what is written. That Jesus bore my poverty on his body on the tree. That by the grace of God, he became poor that I might be rich. And I said, I am not going to consider this. And I took my um, pa uh, pad out, my uh no, I can't even remember what it's called, tablet. And, and I took my pen and I was, I headed down to visit all the different departments. Uh, and some of you are in the grocery store business, so you know them. I went to the meat department, the butcher shop, because that was the closest. I come down the stairs, I went to there. I said, hello, I'm here, you know, to do your signs. You got any signs you need me to do? And they looked around, they said, nope, nothing, nothing. Now I'm thinking I need grocery money. And they said, I don't have any signs. I said, okay, thank you. I think it was, yeah, I think it was there. There was nothing there. I, I, I wanna make sure I get this, got, uh, this story as close, as close to possible. I think the butcher shop had nothing. I said, okay, thank you. And no, I, I, no, I'm wrong. That's it. The butcher shop was the one that had the two signs. It had two signs that it puts in the windows. You know, those nice glass windows. It needed two signs for those windows. So I wrote them down. I said, you got any more? No. So I had two signs. Two. That'll take me maybe 30 seconds. 
okay? So I go to the next department, the drug department, no signs, no signs. So you know what I'm doing? I'm walking down the aisle in the grocery department and I'm talking to myself, I will not consider. I will not consider what I see. I will only consider what is written. What is written? I will only consider what is written. And, and did I feel any different? No, no, I didn't feel anything, but I was determined. I committed to that word. And I went to the, uh, the, the grocery department. Do you have any signs for me? No, don't have any signs. No, we got, you know, we're, we're, I don't know, they said something. We don't have any signs. I said, okay, I go down that aisle. I will not consider what I see. I will not consider what I feel because my heart's starting to want to drop. I said, I will only consider, I will only consider commit to that gospel that Jesus died and he took my poverty on the tree with him. He took my poverty, paid for my poverty, and I went to the next section. I went to the produce section. I think that was the last one I went to. But all the different selections, I only had two signs when I headed for the produce department. And the produce department had a, a, a manager that um, wasn't the nicest person you'd ever meet. And, and I walked up and, and I asked him every week the same question because that was my job. I was put there to be the sign person. And that's what they hired me for. So I'm going to ask. I asked everybody. And when I went to that produce department, I had two little signs. And I go to him and I said, hello, how you doing? You know, how's the weather and how's the kids and all that kind of stuff. I said, do you have any signs for me today? And he looked at me with the same face. He had looked with me every time I go to him. And he said, you know, I do my own signs. I do my own signs. I don't want to wait on you. I don't want you doing my signs. I'll do my own signs. Leave me alone. Said, okay. Okay. And I walked away and I headed upstairs to do two little signs. And as I'm walking from the produce department to my desk, I committed. I said, I will not look at the circumstance. I refuse to look at this circumstance because it doesn't look good. I refuse. I'm only going to look at the gospel. I'm only going to look that Jesus bore my poverty on the tree. And my brain's thinking, maybe it'll work next time. No, I need it today. I need the hours today because I don't get paid. If I do nothing today, it'll be two weeks. So I go upstairs. And I laid the tablet on the desk and I pulled out my equipment and I pulled out the two little signs. And I'm thinking, I'm going to do these signs as nice as I can. And I'm going to commit. I'm going to look at, I'm not going to look at the two signs. I'm only going to look at what Jesus did. And I started the two signs. And there was a call on the overhead uh, audio or whatever you call it. And it said, and I recognized the voice said, Kathy, would you meet me in produce? I knew who that was. That was the store manager. So I put my stuff down, I picked up my tablet, 
my pen in case I needed to write any notes, anything he wanted. And I went downstairs into the produce department. As I'm walking up to the produce manager and our store manager, the store manager did not look happy. And the produce manager looked uh, red-faced and really not happy. So I walked up to our manager. His name was Bruce. I said, hello, Bruce. Bruce didn't, I don't even know if he said hello. I mean, I could tell by the look on his face, he was an unhappy man. And everybody knew in that store that, that Bruce, he ran that place like a tight ship and you didn't mess with him. Nice guy, but you didn't mess with him. And I walked up to him and he said, he looked at me and he said, Kathy, do you see all these signs on the, the wall? I said, yes, they were large signs. They were two by three, six square feet. And there were, oh, 20 or 30 of them. And they lined the whole produce top of the wall. Yes. And then there were the, uh, and I said, yes, I see them all. He said, you see all those around the tables? Well, every table, or they call them coffins there, every table had, oh, uh, what? 10 or so around the big tables where you had your produce. And they were about, oh, I think they were nine by 12s. He said, you see all those? I said, yes, sir. Then there were the and then there were the individual little signs in with the produce. You know, they had Fuji apples and, and Macintosh apples and golden delicious apples. Every one of those had to have a small sign. All this was done by hand. And he said, You see all those? I said, Yes, sir. He said, I want you to replace every one of these signs in the produce department. Every one of them. And he looked at the manager and then he looked at me and you are going to do every single sign in this produce department from now on. Do you understand? Yes, sir. He looked at the manager. Yes, sir. Do you see what God did? Do you see what God did? I would not consider anything else. I was willing to go home and come back and, and have my prosperity there, but it was gonna happen. I would not consider anything else. And you know what? When I set my heart to believe nothing else but that gospel, that Jesus bore my poverty, that he bore my sin, that he bore, that, that, that he justified me, that he healed me, when I would consider nothing else but the word of God, because it can't be broken. When I put my trust in it, when I committed it to, committed to it, God answered. He answered. I was there hours and hours and hours making those signs. Oh, how I thank God for those days. They taught me in a simple way how to trust God and get what I needed. I had to commit to the word of God and the word of God I had to commit to was the gospel. Jesus said, repent, change the way you're thinking and believe the gospel. That's what happens when you believe. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to pray. I want to pray for some of you. I want to pray, Father, I thank you. I thank you. If you need prayer, if you need prayer, if you will raise your hand. Let's see, how do I do this again? Yeah, 
raise your hand. Amen. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I give thanks, Father, I thank you. I give thanks. I give thanks, Father, I thank you. I give thanks. I give thanks, Father, I thank you. Lark, you know how to do this. You know how to do this. You know how to trust in the word and nothing else. You know how to do this. Amen. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I thank you for that power. Father, I thank you that Jesus satisfied you. I give thanks, Father, concerning us, Jesus satisfied you. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that Jesus paid the price for us. Father, I thank you. He's the one that satisfied you. I thank you and a satisfied God will perform the power that he brought with the resurrection. Father, I thank you for that power of God. Father, I thank you. Right now, I want to pray for those of you that want the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I'd like to pray for you. You know, Jesus said it was expedient. It was necessary for him to go away. It was necessary for him to die, be buried, and raise again so he could send the Holy Ghost. And you know what he did? He paid for our sins. He paid. He made the vessel clean so the Holy Ghost could go in. If you are born again, if you have the Spirit of Jesus in you, you can get the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But I tell you what, if you are not born again, let's get you born again right now. Let's get the Messiah in you. Let's get the King of Kings in you. Let's get the one that died, was buried, and raised again for you, in you. Because when you are born again, you get the Spirit of Jesus in you. Father, I thank you. Pray this prayer with me if you'd like to be born again. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Take it over. Lead me. Guide me. Fix me. Because that's why you died. And that's why you were raised again to fix me. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You have just Receive the spirit of Jesus in you. I thank you for that spirit. I thank you for that mighty, loving spirit. Now, for those of you that want to be born again or want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, there are some that have asked me to pray for them this week. I want you, if you want baptized in the Holy Ghost, I want you to put your hand, your hand, on mine, or your finger if you're on your phone. Because Jesus said it's a gift. And he paid an awful price for it. Because he wanted you to have the gift of the Holy Ghost. He wanted you to have the
the gift of the Holy Ghost. He paid a dear price for you to have it. So it can lead you, teach you. So it can minister to you. So it can comfort you. So it can lead you into the kingdom. So Father, I thank you now for everyone that wants the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Father, that you pour it into them now in the name of Jesus. That you pour that gift into them now in the name of Jesus. That you pour that Holy Ghost into them now, filling them with it. Father, I thank you that you fill them with the Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you for that gift. I thank you for that gift of the Holy Ghost. I thank you it's a gift. I thank you you want us to have it. You sent Jesus so we could. Father, I thank you that gift pour into them now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you. For those of you that have your hand or your finger on my hand, open your mouth and speak the words that the Spirit gives you. And they will not be English. They will not be, they'll be words that you don't know. Just open your mouth and speak. It is my desire, saith the Lord, that you be filled with the Spirit of God. It is my desire that he leads you, that he comforts you, that he deliver you. Amen. It is my desire that you walk in the spirit and become the sons of God, saith the Lord. Amen. 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 You just keep praying and open your mouth and let it come out. And I've heard so many, like I've said, it's just gibberish. Yes. Let it be gibberish for a minute and it'll straighten out. Commit to it. Believe it. Trust in it. It'll come. Amen. I say, yay. I say, yay. I say, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your power now on these women. Father, I thank you for this power. I thank you for this power now in Jesus' name. I thank you for this power now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. It's been paid for. I thank you. I get thanks for this power now in the name of Jesus. I get thanks for the power of God now in the name of Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Father. I thank you. Father, I come against all this fear. I come against this fear. Fear is not faith. Father, I thank you. I come against this fear. You love us. There's no reason for fear. You love us. You sent Jesus for us. There's no room for fear. Your love takes over fear. It drives it out. 
Father, I thank you. You pour your love into these people now in Jesus' name. There is no fear in love. But you don't know what I have. Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for it. Whatever you have, Jesus paid for. Amen. 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 I drive out all fear. I drive it out. He didn't give you that spirit of fear. I drive it out. He gave you love. He gave you love. He gave you love. I thank you, Father. I drive out this fear. I drive out this fear. I drive it out in Jesus' name. I drive out fear. He gave you love. He gave you love and he proved it. He had Jesus die for you. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you. I drive out all this fear. I drive out fear. I drive out fear. Father, I thank you that you flood them with your love. Father, I thank you that you replace it with your love. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Perfect love has no fear. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Father, I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. There's nothing else in my spirit. Father, I thank you. I know some of you have some real challenges ahead. Don't forget. He loved you. And it's already been paid for. It has already been paid for. Amen. See you next week. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.